Hi, my name is Olivia, coach of the Flyers. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskinen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, Peter Light podcast, Pampers podcast, Pronger cast, Canoeble cast, Prop cast, Poolin cast. Rona cast. That's why you're here. And we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna. I thought it was Row the Goalie. Ooh. 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 You've been waiting. You've been waiting for that one, haven't you? (laughs) That's why people are here. We're not gonna do a a whole lot of dilly dallying on the front end of this episode. There is a lot of other stuff that we want to get into, but the, uh, the, the one thing that I think we can all agree on, and I think even for the most optimistic of, of fans out there, is uh, much like the kiss Anthony received right as he was about to start recording this episode, we can all collectively kiss this flyer season goodbye. And the interesting thing here with this Jeremy Roenick interview is, and, and, and I think you would agree, there are certain things that he says in this interview about this team and about some of the players on this team that I did not expect him to say. And so I, I think that, well, I think people are going to enjoy this a lot. And I think, uh, not having Ronick, I, I know that he is a uh, he was a slightly controversial figure. His exit from NBC Sports might not have uh, gone down the way that he would have wanted it to, or that many people who enjoy his um, his commentary would have liked to have seen it gone uh, go down. But like, I think this interview kind of shows what hockey fans are missing. I think like, if nothing else, by the time. People are done listening to the interview with Ronick. They're going to miss him even more uh, than they might already, just based on the quality of overall coverage that's been provided this season. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that, you know, does JR fit the mold of what ESPN might be looking for as far as studio analyst for uh, next year's thing? And, you know, I, I'll tell you that I keep hearing more and more rumblings about what's going on with ESPN. What if I told you that they're going to have the draft? Like this, uh, this next draft? As in like 80 days from now, they're going to have the draft. I mean, it would make sense considering the fact that they are the primary. They don't have them. They haven't announced any hires and they, they have, they're going to do the draft in well, 80 days. Well, I'm saying though that like, they, they are the primary rights holder, so it would make sense that they would have the draft, but you're right, yes. With absent of them making some announcements. A- Anthony, can you imagine? Can you imagine if... Well, we know a few people. We do know a few people who, who have either been affiliated with ESPN in some way, shape, or form. I think that there's a chance that uh, people will recognize at least a few of the names that might come out eventually as, as eventual uh, announcements. I agree. I think it's fair I to say, right? Some Phil- I think there's going to be some Philadelphia connections too in ESPN. Ja, ja. We'll have to see. By the way, yeah. before we move on, uh, Colby Cohen, friend of the show, was out doing uh, a Blackhawks game. I don't know if you saw this the, the past I weekend. I heard this. He was the analyst for the game. So NBC Sports Philadelphia had Colby Cohen in, in-house didn't put him in that kind of role didn't put him between the benches which i i've talked to him about before is something that he obviously would do really well with um 
just kind of just kind of let him go. And now Chicago seemed like they kind of rolled out the red carpet for our friend Colby. So we hope that uh, whatever he ends up doing over there, we don't know if this is going to be a long term thing. It's going to be a short term thing. We don't know. But we do wish him the best. I'm sure he'll be back on the show. I know that this time of year gets a little bit crazy for him. So uh, I thought that was nice, though. I, th- I think what yeah, I'm trying to say here is we make careers happen. And if if Jeremy Roenick were to get hired by ESPN, it's very clearly the snow, the goalie bump. And if Colby Cohen were to, you know, get a full time position uh, in any capacity on an announced team, uh, whether it's with Chicago or maybe even with ESPN, where he's done some work with the Frozen Four, like I, I have to say, it's it's because of snow, the goalie. It has nothing to do with anybody's individual talents. It has nothing to do with their experience. It's obviously because they were on this show. And listen, we're here to advance people's careers, right? Yeah, that's that's our job. That's our job. Advance other people's careers. That's yes. it's exactly it. Can you imagine? Like this is, I know we've said this before. The fact that we have not been approached about Flyers Outsiders is just fundamentally wrong. It is upsetting, and it would be. They hate me. They hate me there. Well, they should. I mean, they should. I'm delightful. I'm loving. I'm caring. I'm open-minded. You, not so much. But on a positive note, it's a good dynamic that you and I often have. So could be great. Just throwing it out there. I think that from now on, from now for the last, what are we down to? 10, 11 games? I think that every game, our most loyal listeners should absolutely tweet at NBC Sports Philadelphia. From now until the end of the year, we want hashtag Flyers talk, hashtag Flyers outsiders. I want every tweet that comes to me, to you, to the Snow the Goalie account to do hashtag Flyers outsiders. And I want to see how much traffic we get with it. Because I I will say, I have noticed this year that we have more of our, um, I don't know what the best word for this is because radicalized has a very negative connotation, but like our more passionate listeners have been calling shenanigans on other outlets more often this season. Uh, They've been engaging in more back and forth with other people. They've been citing the podcast uh, quite a bit more on social media this year. I love all of this. I'm very grateful for all of this. I think that that should be our mission from now on, from now until the end of the year. Hashtag Flyers Outsiders. Tweet it at NBC Sports Philadelphia. They will be so confused. They won't know what's happening. No one will know, but we will know. And actually, let's be honest, a lot of their higher ups like to listen to the show anyway. So now they know we've tipped we've <laughs> we've tipped them off to it. But Flyers Outsiders, thanks for joining us. What if we did that from now? Like what if we just called the show Flyers Outsiders? No, we actually are outsiders. We, we're not changing the name of the show. No, but like what if we did a segment? What if we did a show? Oh, my God, Anthony, what if we rebranded the Press Row show as Flyers Outsiders? then we don't have to do it from press row flyers outsiders. I already own the copyright and the trademark. I don't. All right. So we've wasted. I said, we weren't going to waste a lot of time before the Jeremy Roenick interview. I don't know how far we are into this, but whatever. So after the Roenick interview, we'll obviously get into all the things that he had to say. Um, we also have a few other things we need to talk about. There's a veteran on this team that we want to talk about a veteran who uh, had a solid year last year who disappeared. Um, we did have a bunch of people reach out trying to guess which veteran player it was that we were talking about uh, last week in a, in a very complicated hypothetical about somebody ringleading uh, the idea of taking some players under their uh, their wing and um, shenanigans being un- unfurled. Um, and also some of the, the young kids that we could see here in the final 
10 games or so this season. So there is other good hockey conversation we had. But before we get to all that, the moment everyone's been waiting for, an interview with Flyers great. Great guy, great personality. Jeremy Roenick. Talk to you on the other side. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, Peter Light podcast, Pampers podcast, called the Pronger cast, the Knubel cast. Heck, we we recently had the Kiprios cast, and now a man who has once at least recorded a podcast with Nick Kiprios, none other than Jeremy Roenick is on the show. It's been a long time coming. Great to have you on the show. One of my personal all-time favorite Flyers. So this is fun. I, I'm well, excited. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. anything that can do Philadelphia Flyers. I'm in. That's 100%. awesome. That is, um, you know, every everywhere I go, I meet a Flyers fan and they are the most gracious. And um, I the encounters with Flyer fans are 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 frequent and pleasurable. I love it. Well, you know what? You know why that is, Jr. Because when you were here, I mean, I, there's no doubt you were one of my favorite guys to cover, but it was because you were so. You were always what you are now, blunt and honest and forthright and and then funny, of course, because you you kind of got it. You understood what the game was between athlete and the media and 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 that the fact that you were got you guys weren't just athletes, you were also entertainers. Well, you know, I knew I knew in the beginning, number one, that um, that I could really benefit from having the media like me. Now that has not always happened, but <laughs> what I've what I have found that that if I'm nice to the media or I give the media what they need, and that is a good soundbite, uh, a good um, a good rant, um, honesty, uh, what most players or professional athletes wouldn't give um, because they're afraid of maybe backlash from their teammates or backlash from their team or backlash from fans. Um, I think what you're going to get is you're going to get um, that kind of 50, 50, 50 percent of the people are going to like you and 50 percent of the people are going to hate you. And I've always had that kind of um, percentage gap in terms of my popularity. But uh, I think that's what fans want. I think that's what fans need. And they don't want the bullshit cliches all the time and they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear, oh, yeah, well, we just gave out 100%. You know, sometimes you just want to hear somebody say, you know, we sucked. I sucked. You know, we need to be better. Um, You know, Johnny needs to be better. You know, he's our best player in our team, and he sucked tonight. You know, it's just you want honesty, and that's that's what people, I think, and especially Philly fans, appreciate and what they expect. I remember when I signed with Philly, um, the media, one of the media questions was, uh, you know, does – does the intense scrutiny of sports me, uh, sports radio and sports media in Philly, doesn't that intimidate you? I'm like, intimidate me. They should be, they should be intimidated from me. I'm not intimidated <laughs> of them. Um, because I understood, I understood one thing. I understood that Philly is a blue collar, hardworking, sport loving, crazy um, section of the country that if they know you're working hard, they know you're sacrificing, they know you're giving everything you got, they're going to love you. And I knew that I was going to give them that mm-hmm. because I, you know, I, I love scoring goals. I try to score goals. I love making plays. I tried to make plays and I loved knocking people on their ass 
and I tried to do that every shift. And I think fans saw the passion and that, that's why I got along great with Philly fans and, and still do today because I think they know that I was committed not only to their team, but to their city. Well, one thing that's it's funny because you know you talked about the things that you like to do. It seems like today's team doesn't like to do any of that nonsense, right? They don't want they, they, this team struggles to score. This team struggles to make plays, and this team certainly does not knock anybody on their ass. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a tough, but you know, it's it's a tough generation right now, and you're not going to see you're not going to see the physicality that, that we had in the, in the nineties or the early two thousands, the mean players. Um, you know, I think the rules that the national hockey league have kind of implemented have kind of taken away that ability to be extremely mean. There's a few guys in the league that still do it. Tom Wilson still loves to do it. Uh, Milan Lucic still loves to do it, even though he's a little bit older. Uh, there are a couple of players that, that live to make those physical, you know, hard hits and still, you know, be effective offensively. Um, when you look down the Flyers lineup, um, nobody scares you physically. Nobody. Um, the one guy that that will that will be a harder person to play against, I think, is Voracek in terms of his size and his strength and his tenacity. Um, but there's nobody on this team where if I'm coming into a game, I'm saying, "Oh shit, this this is going to be this is going to be a battle." This is like I'm he's going to hurt me and in a couple of different ways. And I think that's, that's always a, that's always a negative for a team. You know, you like to have that, that X factor on a team. Um, that's going to be that guy, you know, whether it's Van Riemsdyk or Couturier or Giroux or Voracek or Konechny, um, you know, it's one guy or it's, or it's none. There's never, I haven't seen them at least lately all be together and play great together. Right. And, and then, you know, again, now you start questioning goaltending again, when you didn't think it was going to happen. The one thing that you don't want on this team, because it is such a terrible media driven, uh, it is a phobia, not only within the city, but amongst the team that if our goaltender can't stop the puck, you know, are, are we going to win? Yeah. No, no, you're you're right about that, and I want to get into Carter Hart uh, in, in a minute. But one of the things I wanted to you know, just to touch on what you were just saying, when you look at the teams that have been uh, you know, in the finals or won the Stanley Cup the last few years, St. Louis and Boston and and um, uh, Dallas and then even Tampa, even though they you know they're not as physical a team, but they play all these teams play heavy, even if they're not a physical you know a physical team. And I think that that's really, Jared, that's what's missing more than anything else. And I think the players in the game today can play heavy without being physical like they were in the 90s and early 2000s, right? There's, there's no question about it. And I think that is a different definition of heavy now. Uh, it's not the, you know, you know, the big, the big hit knock you out type of game. Um, and, and a perfect example is the defending champions right now. The Tampa Bay Lightning had to learn to play a heavy, durable game. I mean, look what happened to them two years ago. They get knocked out four straight by the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're the best team in the National Hockey League by a country mile, and they, then they lose in four straight to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Why? Because the Columbus Blue Jackets played a physical, heavy, in-your-face, frustrating game, and they pushed out the most talented team uh, that we've seen in, in a long time in the National Hockey League. So what happens? they change their mentality. 
you know, John Cooper is such a smart coach that he, he just, he pummeled into their heads, their ability to play tough hockey, uh, tough hockey in close situations, um, to be more, a little bit more physical, both receiving hits and taking hits. And, you know, they learned how to win and, you know, they learned how to win close games and they didn't, they didn't quit when they got, when they got pressured and they learned to win. And that's why they won a Stanley cup. I think the, I think the um, Colorado Avalanche are right in line right now to do that same thing. They are big. They are strong. They are fast. They are deep. They don't have any holes. The only thing that they, that can hurt Colorado is Colorado. And, uh, you know, I, I believe they are the team to beat because they play the heaviest. There's no question about it. Do you think that from the Flyers perspective, like the, the way that this team was constructed, do you think that this is just something where it's an overcorrection? It's an attempt to get ahead of the trend. Like for so long, it had, it had been discussed, you know, do you start trying to roll out four skilled lines instead of having a mucker grinder kind of fourth line? Like was, is this just a scenario where this team decided to try to get faster and they just, they, they missed the mark completely because they are the way they are and they don't have anyone in their lineup that does drive fear into the hearts of, you know, a rather stacked division. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I listen in the beginning of the season, there were the flyers were very, very hyped. They were hyped by a lot of, a lot of media. They were, there was a lot of, um, a lot of good feelings and, and expectations by a lot of people. Um, they, one, one of the, one of the media, uh, people even picked the Flyers to get to the Stanley Cup Finals and maybe w- and win the Stanley Cup Finals. So expectations are there and they're there for a reason. Now, are they underperforming? That's a different story. Does their lineup? They've proven they can win hockey games. They've proven that they can beat anybody in this league. But when you, you know, when you, when you have flaws or something goes wrong, you can't panic. And the Flyers always seem to panic when things don't go perfectly for them. And is that makeup? You know, I think Fletcher, you know, Fletcher has a pretty good team on, on, on the ice. I think, you know, he, I think he didn't, he didn't help himself the trade deadline by getting um, somebody very, very secure on the blue line to help on the, in front of that net to help their goaltending situation. And you, you have to hope that Carter Hart is, um, is going through, you know, the early, the early blues of being a number one goaltender in the pressure. Um, I love the kid. I think he's going to be great. I'm not throwing in the towel on him, right. but it's just, a, it's a tough, it's a real tough time right now. And, and, and a, not a, not the, the best time to be going through this slump when it's a 50 game, 56 game schedule and only four teams in each division make the playoffs. Yeah. I, and you know, Carter's still just 22 JR and, and, you know, you've seen it before in, in your day where, you know, a goalie at that age struggles and then all, all, you know, sometimes as soon as the very next season comes back and all of a sudden they're really good. I mean, you know, if you go back into the mid nineties and, you know, Mike Richter got sent down to the mm-hmm. minor leagues in 93 yeah. comes back up and wins the Stanley cup the next year. And Carey yeah. price got benched in his second year or whatever it was. And then he comes back up and he's a Vezina front runner right after that. So, so it's, it, it's that the kind of thing that you look at Carter Hart and say, it's just kind of normal for a goalie at this point, we shouldn't, and the city shouldn't panic. You can't panic. Not with this kid. And one thing I see with him is he's got amazing poise and he's a, he's a, he's a battler. 
um, I really like, I really like the kid. I think he's going to come back and he is going to find his touch again and find his confidence. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's lasts for a long time, especially, you know, so we don't have to have these goalie conversations with the flyers for the next five or 10 years. That would be great. <laughs> uh, he, he, he has the ability to do it. He's just got to, he's, he's, he's got to let, he's got to kick his mind out of the equation right now. Because the more he's thinking about it, the more he, you know, the more he questions it and the more he questions it, the, it seems like you get the bad bounces. So I, and by the way, the team has to help him in front of them. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the defense has to have some, has to, has to clear lanes for him. The defense have to be tough in front of the net. They have to, they have to inflict some pain and make it make, you know, other, other players nervous to come into that, into that crease area. I don't see that happening with the flyers right now guys are going right into that crease and feeling comfortable and when that happens you get traffic and a puck starts bouncing around everywhere and then you get a bad break and the next thing you know you know the heads are down and goaltenders um confidence is being is being shot and you know then it just steamrolls mm -hmm. you know it's um when you're winning hockey games your, your team is playing well from front to back the, the the team's playing well in front of you. When the goaltender's playing well, there's more confidence. The defense plays harder. The forwards play harder. They go offensive more. They take more chances. They score more goals. You win hockey games. But when one breaks down, it's the mentality of the team that, and, you know, I mean, I feel that I feel the team has good leadership. I love Claude Giroux. I mean, I, I think he's, he's amazing. Um, he's definitely got the bite and the, and the character. Um, is he always going to produce for you? I mean, he goes through stints, um, you know, I love, love Hazy. Hazy's awesome. Um, you know, Couturier's a little, little, he's, he's kind of a, I don't know what kind of leader he is in the locker room, but you do need somebody to step up and say something. I think Claude is one of those guys. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about that is, you know, there's been, a, there's been a lot of conversation coming out uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I actually think it was Kipper, said it first and we've we've got some stuff down here hearing the same thing that there's might be a little bit of a rift in the locker room now locker rooms are never perfect places you've been around forever you, you you've had some locker rooms where guys didn't always necessarily get along when that's the case how do you rectify it like who's who who becomes responsible for fixing that and and, and making sure that it doesn't get out of control really the gm if you ask me <laughs> um you know, there's too many players, I think, right now who are afraid to hurt people's feelings or or step up above the the, the team and, and, and put their foot down or uh, stick their neck out and um, really expose themselves to other scrutiny, to other other people saying things about them. Um, you know, I, 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 I think Borchek is, is a guy that can, you know, who's been there a long time. I mean, obviously, he's not... Um, He's, he's, you know, he's, he's from another country and, and might not have that confidence to speak up and to be that guy that puts his foot down. Um, you know, when, when Claude's the captain, you know, it's like, is it the captain? And I, I think Claude Giroux is a guy that could, you know, that can step up and yell and scream because he has put the numbers up. He has played good hockey. Has he, has he played his best hockey in the last couple of years? Probably not. And he'll tell you that, but um, you know, it, 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 and I remember 2004 when I was with the Flyers, it was the best team I've ever been on. It was the most talented team I've ever been on, and it was the closest knit team that I've ever ever played on. 
Uh, we got along super. Um, uh, loved being in the locker room together. There was not one riff um, amongst us. And the only reason we didn't win the cup is because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's got to come from up above a little bit too. They got to send some messages to, to people. I truly, really love Elaine Vigneault. I, I've known him for many, many years. He was my junior coach when I played uh, 18 years old up in Hull, Quebec. Um, I think he's, um, I think he's got his hands full here today because he is a guy that can get very, very verbal and can really tell you how he feels and can get kind of nasty verbally. But he's learned that in this day and age, when you do do that, you, you might get the backlash that at some point players quit on you. So it's a hard job for Elaine, I think, at this point. So to that end, you know, you'd mentioned about Carter Hart's confidence and about trying to build up a young netminder. Well, you know, it it's it's certainly been pretty evident, especially over the last couple of weeks, that AV's kind of gone the more critical route with Carter Hart after games, whereas he's been considerably more effusive with his praise of Brian Elliott's play. So from your vantage point, because you, you like Carter Hart, you like Elaine Vigneault, I think that we're all on the same page with that. Are you surprised with the way that Vigneault has gone about talking about Carter Hart publicly? Do you think that he's gone about it the right way? Or is that maybe the one player that he should be treating with maybe slightly uh, softer tones? I think one thing that I think Elaine Vigneault does very, very well is he knows his players. He knows what his players can handle and he knows what his players cannot. And when I heard those uh, comments coming out of Lane Vigneault um, that Carter need to, needs to work harder in practice, needs to work on his game more and is not playing and putting him up in the rafters and so on and so forth. Elaine um, would not do that if he knew, or if he, if he knew, let me say that again. He wouldn't have done that not knowing that Carter Hart can handle it what type of person Carter Hart is. And I'm sure that he figured in doing this, that Carter would sit there and bear down and get mad and work harder and accept it the right way. And it seems like he has, at least, at least you know, through the media and all that stuff. I I'm not in the locker room, so I can't, I can't say what he's like in the locker room or what he's like with the lane video. But I think Carter Hart is of the personality is of the of the type of player and the and a a battling player, a guy that uh, has a, a tremendous amount of bite to him, that he can handle it. And I think Elaine Vigneault understands that and challenged him. And now we'll see what happens. I mean, if if it's going to take a little bit longer, I don't know. But he's got Carter Hart's mind really turning right now. And I think if anybody can handle it, I think that young kid has shown that you know he has shown already he's got that ability to do it. All right, JR, I got one more question for you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what you, uh, what your new venture is. Um, obviously, you, you already talked about Colorado being that that team. Um, do you think that there's anybody else who can play with them in, in this league in a seven-game series, uh, maybe in that Stanley Cup final? I don't think so in the West. I think in, in you know, not in their division, I think Vegas is, is very, very strong. I don't know if Vegas will beat them in a seven game series, but they're, they're offensively so um, explosive. Um, they have great goaltending and very, very good defense. So they're gonna give them a run. Um, the Canadian side, I don't see anybody out of the Canadian side really coming out there. I think they're 
division has been too, you know, too wishy-washy and weak when it comes down, down to it. I've been really impressed with Florida. And Florida is a team that not many people are talking about. They're going under the radar because everybody talks about Tampa down there. They're talking about, um, actually talk about Carolina, who's been playing ex exceptional hockey. But look what, Car look what Florida just did in the, at the trade deadline. They, they fixed a need that they needed with a right-handed defenseman getting Brandon Montour from, from Buffalo. This guy is a underrated, very, very strong, very smart hockey player defenseman that can anchor a power play and replace Ekblatt, who uh, unfortunately uh, his season ended with a major, major leg, um, leg break. So they fix, they, they, they fix that problem. And then they bring in Sam Bennett from Calgary that adds a lot of bite and grit and can score goals. So they get heavier, they get meaner and they get a, they get a little bit deeper offensively because Sam Bennett, has that has that ability to kind of change the change the mentality a little bit of Florida physically like he is that one guy that another team would be our defenseman would be like oh shit here comes Sam he's going to crush me they didn't have that really before um so I think Florida is one of those teams that can really step up and bite you because um nobody's talking about them but they continue to to you know to tack on wins and be one of the top you know scoring teams in the league yeah, that's good. And yeah, hey, Sam Bennett sounds like a guy who the Flyers could use next year, huh? Hundred percent, no question about it. No question. Uh, Jr., your your new venture now. You're on NoFilter.net, and you have two shows on there. Um, yep. Hits hits hard, which is like your hockey show, right? Mm -hmm. And then you yep. also have Drop the Gloves, which is not a hockey show. It's more about right. what's going on in the world. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So as you know, me, I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things and, you know, I, I love life and I love everything that, that goes along with it. And the hockey show is really good. So we, we actually started no filter. We started building it uh, a year ago and it took, uh, it took quite some time to get this platform up. It's, it's a very, very uh, fan engaged platform. Uh, we, we, we allow people a knock button where they can literally, we, they invite themselves onto our show and we can bring them on and I can have a conversation with the fan, which is the best part of my, what's the best part of my career is, is dealing with the fans and talking with the fans and meeting the fans. And I can continue it now on the show and get their opinions because everybody wants their opinions heard. You know, fans want fans want their opinions heard. They, they there are things that bother them in a course of a game or a season or a week, and and they like to get their opinions out there and hear what we think. And sometimes that turns into a debate, turns into an argument, turns into you know something that's really fun to watch on television. And that's what we allow on NoFilter.net is to is to allow the fan to come on and and be part of a show and be part of the action and be a part of the uh, conversation. So my, uh, my show hits hard is totally hockey uh, every Monday at 8.30 Eastern time and Thursday, 8.30 Eastern time. Um, I come on and um, so my show is tonight. Tonight is Thursday. I don't know when they're airing this show, but it's, it, it's Thursday tonight. Player profiles. I talk about a couple of great players that I love to watch and sometimes players that I don't like to watch. It doesn't all have to be positive, which I think is good too, because it is me and I'm always honest and I want to try to bring it to everybody. So my other one uh, dropped the gloves with a good friend of mine, Dave Briggs, who I used to work with on NBC. Uh, he, he got let go from NBC and went on to CNN and um, uh, had a, has had a very long career in television. Him and I are kind of different ends of the spectrum as, as politics go. So our show, Drop the Gloves, is more of a lifestyle 
um, you know, hot topics, controversial topics, things that are happening in America, things that are happening in the world um, can be funny, can be controversial, can be, um, you know, some things that people don't want to talk about. Well, we talk about it. And by the way, there are a lot of topics where we just do not agree on. Just the other night, we talked about um, the, the, the latest Minnesota riots and, um, and the Dante Wright um, killing and talked about policing and that be, that became pretty heated we talked about the georgia law um and all the companies that are protesting georgia over their law when they have no idea what they're talking about and what everybody else's laws are it's just a joke that what's going on in terms of of politics in our lifetime today and we we battle we battle those very tough sticky um, sometimes, um, you know, avoidable topics that we go after. Drop the gloves is on Tuesdays, usually Tuesdays at eight thirty Eastern time. That's awesome. And I got to tell you, I was listening. I was um, listening in to the, the show the other night. Uh, the story you told me I, right off the top, like um, he was telling you about uh, having a hard time with his son. You know, letting mm -hmm. his son win games. Right. And yeah. you told a story about you and, and your son with with golf. Uh, if, yep. Real quick, if you could, I was trying to tell it to Russ beforehand, but I think it's a lot funnier coming from you. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. how much hard, you know, how what, what kind of bet you have with your son? So my son is a tremendous golfer, and uh, he was a great hockey player, and golf is his sport of choice now, and. Um, so he's been playing since he was a kid and always going on the golf course and playing and his, he wants to beat me so bad. And he's such a good golfer. And my, obviously for me, I'm like, I cannot let my son beat me. <laughs> so, um, you know, we put a, put a little deal together that I give him, if he beats me three times in a row, three times in a row before he's 25, he, he, I got to give him 10 grand and he's done it twice. He's beat me twice, but the third time he, he hasn't done it yet. So he's at 23 now. And he's got two years left. I think he might. I think he might do it too, because the kid is just a stud. He's a stud golfer, but I'm a grinder. Like I'm an ugly scrapper that just doesn't. That we, you know, will drop a drop a birdie from nowhere just to win a hole and it'll look ugly. But you know, threes on cards. You can't see how you get to three. You just see a three, and that's me. <laughs> well, I guess how many how many times has he gotten to two? Like how many times twice. has he been on the precipice? Twice. So it's, it's been twice. twice. Now, yeah. does his inability to get the job done in the third one, is that because you ramp, you ramp it up quite a bit? Like is the trash talk going on on the I course? Like the have you ratcheted it's, up it's, that it's, much? It's, like are you tripping him? It, okay. It's threefold. Number one, he wants it so bad that he gets nervous, tries too hard. Number three, I, I bear down and get a little bit more focused and three, I bitch slap him like crazy. <laughs> get in, get in, get in his head, get in his head. That, that's that's what we call dirty pool. We call it dirty pool. <laughs> oh, Jr. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. look, everybody needs to check you out on NoFilter.net. I I I'm entertained. I was I literally was watching the episode for a good uh, half hour. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank good, you for doing good that. Good stuff. Good stuff. And look, we really appreciate you coming on Snow the Goalie. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of your former teammates on and, and stuff and talked about the, the old days, maybe down yeah. the road, maybe over the summer, we'll, we'll try and get you to do a little flashback time yeah. and remembering your time here. Please. I'm here. I'm here whenever you want, Anthony, anytime, buddy. You got thanks. it. Thanks, JR. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You got it guys. All right. Take thanks, care. Guys. And that ladies and gentlemen is Jeremy Roenick, Anthony. 
where does that rank in the all-time Snow the Goalie interviews? It's up there. It's certainly up there. I mean, it's up there just by the name only, right? I mean, it, it was. It, it's just, it's JR. And I think that JR is one of the all-time great flyer personalities, right? I mean, JR was a little bit ahead of his time. He would have been something special playing in today's game with social media and being able to express his opinion on his own, you know, on like he would be in more trouble by the teams telling him to stop tweeting, you know, and things like that. Like, yep. he, he would have, he would have been something else now. And, you know, we didn't do like what we were doing during the pan, you know, when the league was shut down during the pandemic, where we would take an hour with a guy and go through his entire history. Like we didn't do any of that stuff uh, with Jr. Um, we wanted really his analysis. We wanted him to kind of, you know, break down what the hell went wrong with the Flyers this year. And Russ, I, he couldn't have been more spot on. He couldn't have been more accurate. He couldn't have been more honest about it. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was great to hear, you know, we, we get Kiprios last week and now Ronick this week, kind of, you know, a lot of the same stuff that they say. Um, but it was great to also hear JR. The, the, my, my favorite thing about him was when he talked about how Vino's treating Carter Hart. Yeah. Right. I mean, that to me was, was the most interesting because he, he, it was almost exactly like the movie miracle with her Brooks and Jim Craig. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's pushing him because he knows he can push him. He's pushing those buttons because he knows he can, because he thinks Carter can handle it and Carter can make himself a better player because of it. Um, which is, which basically flies in the face of a lot of criticism that, Vino has been getting from us I've written it right we've talked about it uh and from a lot of the fans too you know we're we're simpatico on this um that he's you know he's really handling this wrong with Carter he needs to you know when a, when a young kid is struggling you need to you know give him a hug and and uh try and make it better and and JR's like he wouldn't do this if if he didn't think he could handle it yep to me that was the most cool thing and you know JR knows AV because AV was a coach of his way back when. So, um, so yeah, really kind of, uh, really, really just kind of really good stuff to get from, from Ronick there. I think, I, I think that that might be the most encouraging part of this whole thing, because I think a lot of people had openly questioned, you know, we've seen a side of Carter Hart that maybe we didn't expect to see with, you know, in terms of his, his normally even keel emotions kind of getting the best of him in a, in a few situations, whether it was breaking the stick, whether it was the, uh, the dejected, press conference that he had about a month ago. I think hearing from Ronick, who obviously is still plugged in with people around the game and around the organization, hearing from him that he believes in Carter Hart and believes that Vino knows which buttons to push and which ones not to, especially with a, a kid who has as much stress uh, being placed on him or as much onus being placed on him in terms of the organization's success going forward. That to me, I think is, is maybe like the biggest takeaway that we can have the biggest positive takeaway. And I, I hope that puts people's mind at ease. Um, I thought that, you know, uh, aside from that, pretty much everything he said was kind of in line with, I think a lot of what we've been saying and about how this team has gotten to the point they have. So it is interesting when you think about the Kiprios interview, we could go and, and this one as well. The, 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 you don't want to say narratives because they're not manufactured narratives, but the things that are around this team are being heard from a bunch of different camps. And that to me is, is where 
you start to find validity in things, right? Like we know what is told to you or is told to me or is told to whomever. And that's one thing. But when you start to hear it from national sources as well, and it corroborates everything that you're hearing, then you go from, you know, what some people might try to pass off as like tabloid speculation and it, it elevates it to a, no, there's an actual concern here. So um, was there anything else from the interview that, that really stands out that you want to hit on before we move on? Um, I love the fact that he's betting his kid $10,000 on golf. I just love the concept of the chirping, like that he's, he's getting in his kid's head on the third game, like as if the kid isn't putting enough, uh, enough pressure on himself. Yeah. The third game, he really ratchets it up. Like, that's awesome. Right? Like, yeah, that's great. That's exactly what that's you're supposed to stuff. do. Listen, someday I will wager my kid $10,000 as well. I won't have it, but I'll wager him, you know? <laughs> and if he beats me, he, he beats me, I guess, right? Is that how that's... Do you ever? What was the most money you've ever wagered with one of your kids? I don't think I've ever wagered money with my children. Have you wagered goods? I've wagered responsibilities. Ooh. Okay. Like chores, you mean? Things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chores, whatever. Yes. Responsibilities. Okay. Um, and I always win in those instances. Oh, of course you do. I was never the kind of per I was never the kind of person with any of my kids who let them win mm-hmm. at anything. So which is why they're they're all really competitive. Mm-hmm. But now they make fun of me because they think I'm uber competitive. Okay. Like, like if we try and sit down and play like a board game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you don't want to play a board game with my dad. He's he's too competitive. Can't play Monopoly with him. Can't play, you know, things like that. Like they're they give me a hard time about it. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're just uh, not a nice person? Is that is that what this is? Like, I you see now. There's you don't need to go down that path. Well, I don't know. Like, did you have you traumatized your kids by being too hard on them with games? Like, th- is it is that a character flaw on your part? No, I, I don't think it's a it's a character flaw. Okay. I think it's, you know, I think I grew I grew up in a different generation when you didn't have, you know, the participation trophy there where you you won and lost at a young age. And um, I hope one of your kids is protesting in the background. That's what it sounds like. No, he's coming. He's coming over right now. And I'm going to I'm going to let him chime in on this real okay. quick. Yeah, so we're talking about am I too competitive at like games with yes. you guys? Yes, yes. He takes everything. He just messed up your mic. We can't hear anything. He actually messed up the wire on your wait. I think we're good. We're good. Go ahead. We could be playing like just like a goofy game of Madden. Just like messing around. And he'd be like, Oh, we're, we're losing. Why didn't we run this play? We could be playing any board game. It's like a game where you're supposed to work together or like pandemic. And he freaks out when we mess up. And when we're playing like uh, like, like uh, a board game just for fun, he takes it so seriously. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating. We're trying to have fun. And he's just like, my plan is working perfectly. And we're like, well, what plan? And he's like, I can't tell you. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like moving chess pieces. It's like he's, he's playing like chess. And we're like, why? Just have he fun. thinks he's playing three-dimensional chess, but instead, okay, I got it. So. Would you say that this has led to trauma? Would you say that you've been traumatized by your dad's competitive streak? Yes, it has definitely led to drama. No, not drama. No, trauma. Trauma. Oh, trauma. Yes, yes. All right, good. Hey, listen, he had had an opportunity, 
Anthony, I'm glad that we got to share this moment with your son. Um, good. Okay. This is good. This is good for everyone. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, on a positive note, by the way, um, another thing, and, and I think this is good. This is now a time that we can actually mention this. By virtue of Jeremy Roenick showing up for the interview uh, with us this time, he avoids the Mike Keenan wall of shame, uh, which is that's right. So the Mike Keenan Memorial wall of shame, that's for the people who uh, agree to come on the podcast and then uh, don't come on the podcast. Mike Keenan is the lone member of the Mike Keenan wall of fame. Maybe we call it the iron Mike wall of fame right yeah. there. Because Roenick, Roenick did dodge us before. Um, and not because he intentionally meant to, <laughs> I think, and I, I'm, I'm cool with saying this, but I think Jr. was out on the golf course and was out there with some of his buddies who was probably, you know, gambling a little bit, maybe, maybe throwing a couple beers back. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, maybe just kind of forgot that he was supposed to come on with us. <laughs> you know, plus he got like the, the different time zones, but listen, this time it worked out. We're good. And we did bring up the possibility of doing one of the longer form interviews in the summer, like we did last summer, which is when we did some of our, our best numbers, at least, you know, going into the season it was kind of nice. So, We'll see. Maybe we'll have him back on. I know that there are going to be people that are going to wish that we had gotten into like sudden death magic and gotten into a lot of his best moments as a flyer. We just wanted to get his feeling on this team right now. We certainly have left the door open for uh, for a potential future chat with Jeremy Roenick. All right, let's get into uh, a couple of things that are going on with this team. Um, last week, people were trying to figure out who the veteran was. Uh, we are not going to release that name because um, well, it was all hypothetical, friends. You know, just like lots of things in life. How real is anything? It's real. But it's all hypothetical, right? Right. Um, one of the vets who I will say we got a lot of responses on was Kevin Hayes. We're not saying that it was Kevin Hayes. We're just saying that Kevin Hayes was a person whose name was brought up a bunch by people who listened to the episode. Hayes is a guy that and, and here's the reason why that they they think that Russ, he was really good last year. Mm -hmm. He was considered a leader in the locker room last year and really kind of a guy who brought the locker room together. Mm -hmm. And this year he hasn't been the same player. Yeah. And there's talk that maybe the locker room is splintered. Mm -hmm. I, I can see why fans would put those numbers together, you know, one and one together and come up with two. Not to say that it's correct, but it's I can see why they would think that I can see why they would think it, too. So let's talk about Kevin Hayes for a second. Um, his his play this season has been relatively maddening. The 200 foot game that he prided himself on playing a, a season ago has not been there. His special teams prowess, specifically on the PK, has not been there. We haven't seen those shorthanded chances generated like we did a season ago. Uh, a lot of the fun things that had been, you know, the made him a social media darling a season ago, whether it was stuff in the tunnel or if his other mic'd up segments, we haven't really seen much of that either. Is he one of the, you know, single guys that Chuck Fletcher was referring to a few weeks ago when he talked about guys who are struggling with this COVID world? You know, he's not a he's not like the young guy, like he's not the Joel Farabee or the Carter Hart that you might have, you know, otherwise assumed. But like 
could this be impacting a veteran player like Kevin Hayes? I mean, I, I, he doesn't strike me as a kind of personality that would be impacted by the isolation of COVID. Um, although, I mean, I guess it's fair to say that if you're an outgoing or gregarious personality and you don't have the ability to be as outgoing and gregarious around other people, that maybe it does affect you a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I just think Kevin's gotten into some bad habits. Um he doesn't. And the funny thing is, is like points production wise, he's on the same pace he was last year. Right. Yep. So as, as great as he was last year, and we're going to sit here and criticize him. And yet he's, he's right on the same points production pace, but he he's obviously doesn't have the um, he, he doesn't look like he's in as good a shape as he was last year. He's not skating as hard as he was last year. Um, he's not been as physical as he was last year. He's not been as bombastic on the ice as he was last year. Um, you know, we haven't seen any goals where he's scoring and doing the, you know, the WWE belt championship belt celebration or anything along those lines. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure he's still life of the party kind of guy. You know, I'm sure he's still very well liked uh, in that locker room. I'm not saying that he's completely done a 180 as far as personality is concerned, but I think that, if your hockey play does not live up to the standard that you act, that you expect or that your team expects, it makes it a lot harder to be that, you know, fun loving personality in the locker room, mm-hmm. because if you're not holding up your end of the bargain, then, you know, then, then you look like you almost look a little bit more clownish goofing off and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, Hey, I'm playing great and I, and I'm having fun at the same time too. Right. I mean, it's, it's just it's more more optics than anything else. Um, so I, that's how I kind of look at this Kevin Hayes second season. And, you know, it's really going to be interesting, Russ, moving forward, because, you know, we were one of the first people to criticize the signing of Kevin Hayes. We admitted, you know, during the season last year, OK, maybe we're wrong because of the season that he was having. Yep. But now I think we can go back to, hey, maybe we were right because of the season that he's having now. So I think it's, you know, one of the things we thought all along was, you know, as that gets closer to the end of the contract, we're going to hate this signing yeah. more so than up front. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I think Kevin's going Kevin's to be a guy that's going to have to really do a look himself in the mirror kind of thing and, and get back to being the player he was a season ago, because if he continues to play like he's playing this season, he's not going to help the Flyers. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it really sounds like you're waffling there uh, about the, uh, the us not like about us, not liking the contract and then saying, all right, you know, he's playing pretty well. And then coming back. The thing is, and, and the thing that I definitely remember saying at the time was the, the salary he's signed to is uh, certainly indicative of a guy that you think is a 2c even a 2c who could be pushing for rotating in at the 1c and and his ceiling as a player is as a mid-range 2c and it's more likely that he's a two and a half c where he should be bouncing between the second and third line and that if nolan patrick had proven any kind of value whatsoever you would hope that nolan patrick's skill would have played out in a way that would have actually made him the second center on this team. And then you'd have the most expensive and arguably overpaid third center in, in the league in Hayes. 
And none of that's come to fruition. I mean, I guess the, the one thing that we can come back to, and, and we brought this up last year, and I guess it's, it's probably fair to bring up now, is where would this team be without Kevin Hayes? Like last season, he was an absolutely integral piece to the success of this team. And you can't even imagine what the team would have been without him last year because they didn't have the organizational depth or the prospects ready to take on that role. This season, just by virtue of, of the way things played out, by virtue of the fact that Nolan Patrick did not really at any point beyond maybe the first two or three games of the season ever really look like an NHL player who had any real upside whatsoever, given the fact that Morgan Frost got hurt early in the season and really was never available to grab the opportunity by the horns this team didn't exactly have organizational depth or anybody ready in the pipeline anyway like do we feel okay through two seasons of this kevin hayes deal just because it brought at least some stability even though it brought obviously year over year variance like are we happy with that i don't know but we won't know until next year and that's kind of what we said you know he needs to have two really good seasons to sit there and say, okay, this was worth this money. Yeah. He had one. And then this year he went, he reverted back to Kevin Hayes from New York and Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Right. That was just kind of, you know, sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't uh, kind of thing. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and you know, he's got to, he's got to recommit himself off ice to being the best player he can be. And that, if that means, you know, spending more time training if that means you know really digging in and be, and being a better skater um so that you're not getting winded too early um yeah then yeah then he's got to do that i mean those things have to happen because if they don't rust he's going to be his he's going to become an albatross on this team he really is mm -hmm. because he's going to it's going to be a situation where you know the the fun stuff wears thin when you don't have anything to back it up. It becomes a little bit of a facade. And I don't I don't think that they'll they'll take kindly to they're just being like a jokester in the locker room who doesn't give you anything other than that fun nature in the locker room. Yeah, and I think that's the so he's, I well, got to perform. He's also has a letter on a sweater too, so it's, you know, it, it kind of compounds issues especially, you know, it nobody wants to hear the you know, your point production is similar to what it was a season ago like to me, scoring is relative, right? Like if you're contributing in key moments of games that you must win or the points that you're putting up or the, the high danger chances you're creating are coming in times when it's critical for your team, or it's in the midst of your team winning, you know, a number of games consecutively, then that to me has real value. You know, we, a lot of people talk about empty stats, you know, that's one of the things that I think is dogged Claude Giroux and, to some extent, Jake Voracek in their tenure has been this notion that these guys don't put up points until the game is either, you know, three goals up or three goals down. And they're coming, you know, late in the third period. And you think, well, all right, like, how do you, how do you quantify the importance or lack thereof of these points? I mean, you can make the case that point production is point production from my vantage point, given what Kevin Hayes is supposed to uh, represent for this team this has not been a good season. And to me, it doesn't matter if the numbers are similar to what they were a season ago, the intangibles that he brought to the table a season ago are not there right now. And they haven't been there for most of the season. So 
it just doesn't work. And you're right. Like the, the, the fun jokey kind of thing, like that works when things are going well, that can work to help break a, a team out of a funk. But if you're mired in a woeful season, that's had COVID interruptions that has had just so many things go wrong. That, that kind of act just doesn't play. It doesn't play well. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how much you're paid. And it doesn't matter if you have a letter on your sweater, it, it, it comes off as phony. And so I think that there are reasons that we're kind of seeing not the downfall of Kevin Hayes this season, but we've certainly seen him take a step back. Well, we've seen the good and we've seen the bad next year. Will yeah, we see the know, ugly? I'm... Who knows? <laughs> it could, it could get worse. How? Uh, all right. <laughs> so now that we're done, the Kevin Hayes portion of the episode, let me announce the first of four winners of reverse retro shirts that we're going to put out. Uh, we, we brought this up on last week's show that we owed people some reverse retro shirts. I think that we initially were going to be giving them out back in January, and then you got the Rona, and that threw things into a tizzy. So first person who will be receiving... Drum roll? Yeah, please. Please, thank you. You know, I think I actually have a drum roll on the uh, the soundboard, but I stopped sharing my sound, so now at this point, it's a whatever. All right, so first person who uh, will be getting one of these reverse retro T-shirts. And listen, the retweet came a long time ago, but it still counts. Is somebody on Twitter named Matt, whose uh, handle, just I, just, Matt. I just wanted to have it like that, whose handle is at MJV311rock. So you are one of the four people who are winning a reverse retro shirt. Still following the show? They follow me. I believe they follow you as well. I'd have to pull up the spreadsheet, but uh, it does say in this person's Twitter bio that they are an active du- they're active duty military. So that's actually pretty cool. Oh, I feel good about that. That is pretty cool. I feel good that's about cool, that. That's cool, Matt. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for your service. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. We like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your service and hope you like the shirt. All right. Do we do we go with one more before we go on to yeah, our next yeah, topic? All right. Next one. Um this person on Twitter is chipped tooth at cursed underscore hockey. Congratulations. There's not other. Oh, you have nothing more from their bio on that. Uh, he's literally just some guy is what the bio <laughs> says. But then the location is pronouns. She, her and age 25. So I, oh. I don't know who he's literally just some guy is. I don't know, but here's, here's would be a female. I, I think that's the point. But the funny thing yeah. is their their Twitter header is Nolan Patrick uh, closed caption saying, I don't want to do something dumb. So we're going to we're going to hold off on the idea that Nolan Patrick would do anything dumb, even though. All right. Well, con- let's just congratulate. Congratulations Chip to Chip Tooth. At Whoever first, you are. First underscore hockey. We have two more people. We'll get to those in a little bit. Let's give people some hope. OK, Wade Allison. Yes. Relentless. Wade Allison. I love his game. Love his game. Willing to get willing to get dirty for a goal. Willing to get in the crease. Isn't it weird that when you think about the beginning of this season, this team was generating high danger chances by virtue of crashing the net, by virtue of being willing to get physical in front of the net. And they were finding mm-hmm. success. And then they said, screw it. We're going to go back to bombing from the blue line. 
What the? Okay. I digress. Wait, Allison, a lot of positive things to his game. I think we kind of anticipated that if things had gone sideways for the team this season, that he could see a call up and he's made the most of his time so far. What has been the most impressive thing to you about Wade Allison thus far? It's just that he is not, uh, uh, he's not shying away from the spotlight. He's, he's not the, the bright lights of the NHL are not too much for him to handle. He's actually out there having fun, playing hard, you know, the funny thing is, is he, we haven't even had an opportunity to see his shot. He's got a hell of a shot that we've that he had in the NCAA, Western Michigan, and then also uh, in his time with the Phantoms, that they, he hasn't really, you know, taken that shot from the left circle just yet. He's been told to play in front of the net and get to the net, and that's exactly what he's doing. And, yeah, he, you know, the goal was great. It was great for him to get his first NHL goal. But my favorite play with him was – I forget who took the shot, but him and uh, Farabee were uh, right in around the goalie, whacking away, waiting for the whistle. And, you know, Farabee's swinging his stick at the puck, trying to knock it loose. Allison was knocked to the ice, and he's laying there on his stomach, and he's still poking at the goalie with his stick. Like – those are things that you need to see that you haven't seen hardly at all from the Flyers this year. And, you know, he brings that. He brings that gumption. He brings that little extra, you know, chutzpah that, that you need to, to play the game. And then on top of that, he's a bit of a character, right? We, we saw him. We saw the, uh, the, the oh, I loved, come out. I loved the, uh, the double fisting. Double fist the, water, the bottle. water bottles. That was great. Great moment. That was great. He did the whole, he had the whole um, smelling salts with Giroux bit. That was good. Um, that was really funny. And then when he talks to us, I mean, he's just kind of like, yeah, man, like I'm just out there doing my thing, you know, and just, he's just kind of just a laid back dude, just having fun. And I don't think that he feels pressure a little bit. I think that he's the kind of guy who will excel in when, when the games mean even more. Um, I think he'll be one of those guys because he, he doesn't, He's unafraid of them. he just loves to play it and 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 he's uh and I think that's one of the reasons when you look back over his history that he's had as many injuries as he's had, and he's you know it's why his development has been a little bit more uh lengthy than most. Um and I think it's because of he plays the game so hard, which is why he gets injured like he does. Um and and I think he's gonna be beloved here. I really do. I think he's a Philadelphia lunch pail, uh uh, a blue collar, that, hard hat, lunch pail. He he's going to fit that. Guy. He's going to fit that mold that that this city loves, and I think as, as long as he's here and, and has that kind of career, he's going to be one of the the the, the favorite flyers of this generation. Well, that's uh, let me tell you, that's uh, that's pretty high praise coming from you. I like it. Yeah, one of the other guys that we've talked about a few times as being somebody who theoretically would make sense to get a call up uh, is Cam York. And it seemed like they had kind of flirted with the idea. He was on the taxi squad for a bit. Uh, Would appear that maybe they would like to see him get a little bit of time with Lehigh Valley first before he breaks into the lineup here at the NHL level. Do you see a path to him getting, I don't know, five games or more? Will he play half half of the the remaining games? I, I think he'll get. I think that. I think that's about what he'll get. Russ four or five games. I, I. I would have originally said that maybe he would get more, um, but the Phantoms had their own COVID issues the last couple of weekends, um, and as such, 
Cam York hasn't had a chance to to play. I, as a matter of fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, tonight was his first game as a phantom. Um, and we're recording this on the 21st. Uh, I, I believe that this was his first game tonight mm-hmm. with the phantoms. Um, and, you know, he's been signed for a couple weeks now. Uh, and, uh, you know, COVID kind of inter- interfered with that. I would have bet that by this point, he would have played, you know, six, seven games with the Phantoms and been ready to play, come up and play with the Flyers mm-hmm. uh, the last 10, 10, 11 games of the season. Um, as such, it's not, you know, that's not how it turned out. He'll play a handful of games with the Phantoms and then probably a handful of games with the Flyers. Are there any other guys that you expect to see get a call up? Well, the interesting name that, that came um, today was uh, Mason Millman got uh, called up to the, the taxi squad. Uh, taxi squad. That was interesting. Um, yeah, which was which was kind of an interesting thing. Um, <clears throat> so I guess there's a possibility there. Um, you know, we haven't gotten an official no on Morgan Frost completely being out for the year. Um, there's still, I think, a small chance that he can get a couple games in here before the end of the season that he finishes his rehab and is able to do that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see much else beside that. I think that the the Flyers are just going to have some players play for their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to see some Robert Haig. Like, what, where where does he fit next year with this organization? Um, so you're going to see, I think you're going to see some him and, you know, same thing with Moran. Um, he's going to play because, you know, they got to figure out, do they want to bring him back? Do they want to sign him again or not? Um, I don't think they will, but I'm, I'm just, I, I think that they're going to give him an opportunity. Um, you know, and I think that, I think that really it's like for the younger guys, like Nolan Patrick, like this is, this is probably his last shot you know, to prove himself these last 10, next 10 games yeah. uh, as he got back onto the ice and, you know, after his, uh, um, the hit that he took or the shot that he took to the side of the head, um, Phil Meyer shot, the, you know, butterflied into the side of his head. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of evaluation taking place and by, you know, May 10th, when the season wraps up, I think the Flyers will know which of their guys they want to bring back and which of the guys they're going to move on from. It will be interesting. Like I think the Nolan Patrick thing is, is at the point now where we've talked for God, I don't know how long about the idea that, you know, maybe it, it, it best benefits the player and the team for them to consider trying to figure out a move here. And I don't think it's likely that you would see him be left exposed to Seattle because you're really not going to get anything for him in that scenario. But you had brought up around the trade deadline that one of the potential packages could have been a second and a third for him. I have to think that like, based on what the team has seen, based on the fact that he wasn't a Chuck Fletcher pick and just kind of based on the body of work to this point, especially this season uh, coming back after almost two years off, seeing the way that he seemed to start in camp and then just effectively disappeared uh, over the last three quarters of the season. It seems really hard to imagine or to envision a scenario where he's back next season, because 
like, what do you do with him? Right? Like he's not a four C you've got Kevin Hayes. That's taking up one of the other remaining spots. You would think that you would want to give Morgan Frost a shot, right? You would want to think that maybe you're between Fletcher and Vino. It seems almost inconceivable that you're going to go into next season without another veteran forward. So you would think that like, maybe it's possible that they try to get involved in free agency or a trade to get a guy that could kind of flip flop with Kevin Hayes for the two C or three C. I just don't see a path to Nolan Patrick being back with this team in any meaningful role. Do you see a trade being the thing, or do you see a really weird scenario where they leave him exposed? I don't think I should weigh in on this because Nolan or somebody close to Nolan and had a burner account and came after me for my, um, uh, <laughs> for my, uh, I guess, agenda that i allegedly have mm-hmm. against the kid which i think that you got a kick out of and you even tweeted it out right mm-hmm. um well i'm glad somebody's finally cre- calling you out on your your uh nolan patrick your anti-nolan <laughs> patrick agenda yeah, but in in reality in reality and you know wh- whoever that person was we have no idea um you know we joke about it being a burner account but um they did create an account that day only tweeted at me mm-hmm. and only tweeted about Nolan Patrick and hasn't done anything since. So, but anyway, uh, aside from that, um, yeah, I think I don't, I don't see how he fits here. I think that he's a player and I've said this before, this, this isn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a player who needs a change of scenery to find his game. If he's going to find his game in the NHL and, and become even um, you know, uh, you know, not, maybe not the superstar that, you know, the number two overall pick you expect to be, but maybe, you know, find his game to become a legitimate NHL f- forward who can put, you know, 20 goals up a season and be a, you know, a decent second tier contributor to your team. If he's going to be that, mm-hmm. I think he needs to go do it somewhere else because I, I don't think he, I don't think he likes it here. I don't think he likes how he's perceived here. I don't think that the Flyers are really fond of him here. Um, he was not a Chuck Fletcher draft pick. He was not uh, – Lane Vino wasn't here when he was drafted. Um, so there's really no ties between, you know, that part that those parts of the organization and the player. Um, they all recognize that the skill is there. Uh, it's just that it's not been put together at any point in his career for any kind of sustained success. And with that said – uh, you know, maybe then you can put him somewhere else and let someone else see if they can get the best part of his game out of him. Well, that's a lot. So, all right, Nolan Patrick gone next year. Um, I don't know if there's remember he's a, he's a restrict he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. So I mean the Flyers. Like, I, I mean they val- still have value. his rights. Yeah, there's value in trading his rights. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like. No one's going to come after him. No, it's not like the Flyers have to worry about someone trying to do, you know, your favorite thing and, you know, give up five first round draft picks by overpaying for an, an RFA. Yeah, um, that's certainly not going to happen. So but you can you can move his rights to another team, you know, pre-draft as part of some kind of deal. Sure. You know, maybe there's something maybe, you know, you want Seattle to take a heavy contract. Mm-hmm. You want Seattle to take. Uh, a JVR con- contract off the books for you. Maybe you make a deal with them and say, okay, we'll give you Nolan Patrick for, for next to nothing in return. If assuming you take JVR. Okay. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe that works out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Okay. That's just saying. I, I hear you. All right, let's get to our last thing. We have uh, two more winners, and we have a five-star review. We got to get to the five-star review because we've been asking yes. people. We say to people that it makes you really happy. It makes me at least somewhat happy to get a five-star review. Let's go to that first. This one is from DJD Gunner 4. Five-star review says double whammy. Very new to the podcast game, but this immediately became a must-listen. The last two episodes were epic. Shakespearean tragic hockey is the genre I never knew I needed. <laughs> I think we might have to dust that one off again in the future. Yeah, it was good stuff for us. I think it was. It was good stuff. I, I, got, I got a lot of good feedback from people about that one. Um, like, oh, you did your research on Shakespearean quotes. And I'm like, did I really? Or do I just know them because I'm a theater nerd, right? I mean, like... <laughs> either way, it still worked. <laughs> It's good stuff. <laughs> feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I feel good about it too. All right, let's get back to winners of reverse retro shirts. The next one is SMPK14 on Twitter at Sean M. Keenan1. I don't know if this person is related to Iron Mike Keenan. If so, Sean will not go on the Iron Mike <laughs> Wall of Fame, Wall of Shame, Wall of whatever. Uh, so, congratulations to Sean. And then our final winner is Kim, who has a ton, ton of emojis. I believe that's a dog. It looks like a dog on a leash. I see an eagle, a basketball, a football, a soccer ball, and a volleyball. No hockey puck, though. I don't know what's going on here. But she's on Twitter, at Kim Forst, F-O-E-R-S-T. Kim, congratulations you win the fourth and final of the reverse retro t-shirts. It's four winners in one episode. Now the fun begins. I have to get to the post office and get these suckers sent out. Let me tell you, sending stuff through the post office, totally fine. The last time I tried to do the idea of like sending away shirts was around playoff time. And I went to UPS and they're like, oh, $20 or $25 per shirt. I was like, what are, you, what are we doing? What are we doing here? And then I went to the post office. They're like, oh, it's like a few dollars. So I'm going to go to the post office. I don't know. It, it'll hopefully get there by the end of the year. But listen, I will trust the post office with this. Yeah. So I'll reach out to those um, people via DM. I'll need just, your address. And just such imagine and what it's going to be like. Just imagine what it's going to be like when you have to give away uh, Vortex skates. <sighs> so that's another thing. Oh, Anthony, I forgot. I forgot. We got a, uh, a Facebook message that uh yeah. i i need to bring up also um this is not to crap on the organization but i did have somebody uh dm me i guess what one of those uh what is it the the edge the edge people the inside edge inside inside edge so inside yeah. edge this person got a, an email offering a an exclusive quote unquote additional 25% off all tickets to games in may so if the thought was that there would be high demand for tickets to Flyers games, additional 25% off, man. I don't know if that's uh, getting the job done with people it's not, right now. So it's not. And I'll tell you another thing that's really kind of, really kind of sad. Um, and we're going to have to talk to our people over at the, uh, at the organization um, soon. Um, but, uh, you know, season ticket holders, 
their payment for next season, one of their payments for next season, just came out within the last couple of days, right? They, they're paying their season tickets. Mm-hmm. And yet they have, the Flyers have these new employees, newer uh, sales employees, reaching out to anyone. And I tell you this because I know I was on the list. Anyone who's purchased single game seats in the last however many years, mm-hmm. let's say five, okay? To try and convince them to buy season tickets for next season. Now, I'll tell you, they were ridiculously persistent. Um, I, I finally answered the phone on the seventh phone call that I got mm-hmm. from a Sean Stefanski at the Flyers and said, Sean, do you know who I am? <laughs> And he goes, no. I said, I'm a beat reporter covering the team. I said, I'm at every home game in the press box. I said, you're only calling me because I bought tickets for my kids once several years back. I needed two tickets because they were at the Phillies game and had no way of getting home unless I took them home. So I had to buy them two Flyers tickets. I said, that's the only reason you're calling me. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Sorry. We won't bother you anymore. Um, But there are season ticket holders who literally just paid for their first round of next season, who are getting the same phone calls and emails mm-hmm. about pe- from people saying, hey, can we interest you in buying tickets? And it's like, get your act together. Like, how hard is it to scrub that list? How hard is it to just edit the Excel spreadsheet and say, these are the people you don't have to call because they're already giving us their money? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. If you're a season ticket holder, Right. And you're putting your hard earned money into season tickets for the organization. And you get somebody who has no idea that you're a season ticket holder from the organization calling you, trying to pitch you on buying season tickets. Don't you feel a little bit underappreciated? One would think so. So that's that's that needs to be fixed. Just needs to be fixed. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a major criticism, but I mean, it's something that, you know, maybe just it's simple. You simply overlook it. Mm-hmm. But you can't overlook it. You have to. You have to treat your season ticket holders at a different level than you treat everyone else. You just have to. They're they're the ones who are giving you the most money. Don't worry about me buying two tickets once every five years and trying to sell me on season tickets. Yep. Worry about the people who are giving you thousands of dollars every year to come into the stadium and watch your team play. There you go. I like that. Look at you. All right. Let me throw out this last thing that somebody sent. I'm going to keep this person anonymous. They sent it over on Facebook. This person says your COVID explanation is the best theory I've heard to try to explain what is happening with the flyers. Can I just play devil's advocate a second thought um, and ask why you assume that the anger comes from the boys being careless when they go out and not just them going out at all. I've done everything the past year, three States, five hotels, 25 plus ice rinks, and I followed all the protocols and not gotten sick, but that doesn't stop my brother from constantly condemning what I'm doing and keeping his family hiding in their house for the past year. Just because there is a divide doesn't necessarily mean the single boys aren't following protocols. It could just mean that there are some folks that uh, no protocol is good enough for. And this person says that uh, there is a strain between uh, themselves and their sibling because of the way that they've gone about the COVID issue and that's family. So if they're having a hard time coexisting, then doesn't it stand to reason that maybe it's not that 
the guys are being reckless, but that some are going out at all. Could that be the problem going back to what we said uh, a week ago? It can be absolutely. And that's a very astute observation by this anonymous uh, emailer on Facebook. Um, especially because I, I've been the same as he has been, or she has been um, because I you know I was that person who was, and I still do it. I still, you know, go about and do my thing. I don't stay at home. And yeah, I had COVID and yet it was really bad when I had it, uh, but it didn't deter me after I you know, got healthy. I'm, I'm back doing my thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like that person who messaged us. But what's to say that, you know, you look at it and say, how do you know, how do we know? We don't really, really know. Mm-hmm. But I could say this much I will say, OK, because. We talked a little bit about it last week, and and you know I I know that there are a couple of people who want to say, well, are you just speculating? Are you just, and you know, at times we do speculate, but with something is something as serious as this, you know, we have to dig a little bit deeper. And do we have the whole story right now? No, we don't. I'm going to tell you, and that's why I'm, I can't report everything that I have, or Russ can't report everything that he has. But we've tried. We're trying. And one thing I can tell you that in the process of digging and trying to get more information is that I've seen visual evidence of player, a player being out at a bar just before the team had their COVID pause, sitting at a bar with a few people, no mask, drinking a beer. In public. Now, I don't have a. Pro- I personally don't have a problem with that, right? I've I'm, I've said it. I've done it myself. I'm out there. I've been out there doing these same things. Okay, living my life and, and doing the things that I like to do. So I personally do not have a problem with this having occurred. Mm-hmm. But is it possible that because they have these protocols in place and that there the demands on them to quarantine when they're not practicing or playing are very strict and that people are just kind of eschewing that and saying, eh, the hell with it. I'm going to go do my own thing. Can that, can that cause a divide in the room? You're damn right. It could. You're damn right. It could. So, so yes, I, you know, it's, we're not, we're not just speculating on this. This is something that I, I tell you, I talked to someone today it would be the fourth different person I've talked to who has heard something that we have not reported. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I've now talked to four people who have heard the same thing. All right. Eventually it's going to get to a point where either this is going to be reported and it's going to be a big thing or it's not going to ever get out there because it's going to be one of those things that we can't ever really talk about. But I'll tell you four different people have, and I can't say what it is, but I've spoken to four different people now who have, who have heard the same thing that I've heard. Where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes, man. And, and I think that there the reasons, there could be many reasons why there's discord in the locker room. Some that we don't even know, but I guarantee you that part of the reasons that there is, is part of the stuff that we're hearing. And we're not just going to throw it out there as wild speculation. There you go. Because this, of course, is the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, PLA Podcast, Pampers Podcast, Prongercast, Cast, Row the Goalie, Snow the Goalie. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to go and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or over on Google Podcasts as well, Stitcher. 
wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Snow the Goalie. Make sure you follow us there. Follow us on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. All of those links, everything I just talked about, all those links are in the description of this episode. Simply click on them. Follow us there. We'll have more giveaways going because, listen, season's been awful. The season cannot end soon enough. We got to keep people around for really any reason to believe in anything positive around this team. It might not come from the team, but as one person DM'd me today, the best part of the Flyers season so far has been our coverage of the team. So that's, that's always nice to see and to hear. And Anthony just smiled. And really, isn't that all that's, that's, that's what it's all about? So here we are. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Will we have a guest? Will we not? Who knows? Make sure you subscribe to find out. Until then, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.